0: Find Reese's now at a store near you.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Angie from All Creatures Podcast. And today I have a really exciting interview with Suzanne Smith of the Amazon River Dolphin Conservation Foundation. She is my guest today, and she has agreed to take on the task of being the first person that I interview. And luckily, she seems very lighthearted and will put up with me as I work through my skill set as an interviewer. So, hello, Savannah. Are you there?
0: Hello, Angie.
1: Hello. Welcome to All Creatures Podcast. We're so excited to talk to you today.
0: Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here with you.
1: And now as a director of the Amazon River Dolphin Conservation Fund, uh, I've been researching your institution because when we did our podcast about river dolphins, I was very excited to find you guys and see the work that you're doing to help conserve the river dolphins uh, in its environment, through research, education, and a lot of collaboration. So if you wouldn't mind, um, do you want to give me a little background about yourself and how you possibly got into river dolphin conservation? It's kind of sound, seems like it's a unique niche.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um well, as they say, um, I've, been, I've been around for quite a while, so it's been a very interesting journey to get here, mm-hmm. um, but as you know through our talking this morning, that uh, I am a born and raised Bostonian, um, so my my first stopping grounds were actually at the New England Aquarium. Oh, wonderful. And I started working there, uh, you know, I had always had an interest in, uh, in and around the water, my father always had a boat, so we were always out in Boston Harbor, And when I got old enough, um, I started volunteering at New England Aquarium and I worked there all through high school and all through college. Um, I went to Salem State University and uh, got my degree and off I went to work with dolphins. Uh, That was something that I had
1: always wanted to do. That's Every kid's dream job or maybe not every, (laughs) maybe not every kid, but I would feel like definitely mine for sure. Uh,
0: I had always wanted to be a dolphin trainer um i've never known anything else in my life um so new england aquarium in boston helped me uh helped me lay down a really good foundation off i went on this career and i got uh i got not only uh, great opportunities to work with dolphins but um depending on what different aquariums or zoos i was working at at any given time um I have been very fortunate enough to work with sea lions and seals. Oh, and then depending on which zoo I worked at, um, my training skills also allowed me to, to dabble in some other areas and work with some really cool stock and train Komodo dragons. Yeah. And so, so I've, um, through training dolphins, um, I've just, I kind of just ended up with this really unique, um, this really unique career of training all these different animals, but, um, always first and foremost, it's, it has been the dolphins for me. And, uh, about 20 years ago, I went down to Brazil to the Amazon rainforest for my very first time with a friend of mine actually from new England aquarium. And, um, And that's where, and that's where I saw the river dolphins for the very first time. And they are just these crazy, (laughs) prehistoric, like face only a mother could
1: love dolphins. And I just lost my mind over them. And my, my partner, Chris, he thinks they're not very attractive, but I, on the other hand, think they're beautiful. <laughs> so
0: they really are. You, 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 sometimes you gotta look beyond a few things for sure. They are the neatest looking animal, and there, there's just nothing else like them on this earth. And they are just. So cool, and I just love those faces. Oh yes, and
1: I think there's something too about seeing them in the the brownish water in the backdrop, and then here comes this this pink fin, and Absolutely. it's like, are my eyes playing tricks on me? Is this really going on? And so, yeah, maybe I'm a little bit more. Not that I'm a girly girl. I'm not. I don't usually like pink. <laughs> maybe I'm more. I don't I, know. I don't know what's going. But yeah, for something, uh, yeah. So I can look past the face and and all of that because, I, yeah, I just think they're really cool. And uh, so you, so you got down, you were down in the Amazon, and you were able to see some in the mm-hmm. wild for the first time
0: yes and uh, so I made I made two really quick trips after that first one. I loved it so much I went back three months later and then I had I then I didn't go for a very long time as you know life happens and, and things happen so you go in different directions and your your life changes and your your goals change um but they were they were, they were always there. And about five months ago, I had a, excuse me five years ago, I had uh, an opportunity to travel back down to Brazil to the same area um, with that same friend. Um, and and since then, cool. I haven't stopped. I, I haven't stopped going. So uh, this past five years has been a real whirlwind, and it's just it's Amazon River
1: dolphins all the time. Wow. Right now. And so now, tell me a little bit about your organization. Is it something, uh, one of your, a brainchild that you created or did you seek them out? And we'd like.
0: It is. It's um, it's a brainchild. Um, so. As a part of um, another conservation effort um, down in Brazil uh, that actually didn't have anything to do with dolphins, um, I was down there helping out uh, with another group. And, and once all of those folks kind of got settled and they were, they were doing their thing, I would just kind of sneak yeah. away. And I'd be like, okay, everybody's set. Everybody's happy. Everybody's doing what they're doing with fish. The dolphin girl awesome. has got to go. The dolphin girl's going to find <laughs> the dolphins, um, and so, and depending on what area I was in in the Amazon, um, there's there's just a lot happening with the river dolphins. Whether it's ecotourism, whether it's the slaughter that's going on, so there are many things happening, and I found that there's a real need. Um, for for an organization for a person for a group um to kind of just bring attention to the different issues that the river dolphins are facing right now um so as i started to go down there a little bit more um I just decided that this needs to go on paper and we need to start doing something. So I uh, started uh, three years ago uh, by filing uh, for 501c3. We are a registered nonprofit um, based out of New Orleans uh, in Louisiana. That's where I'm located now. So that's where our main office is, even though we do all of our work down there. and so now I go down there about three to four times a year and just help down there with the different issues wow, of the different that's areas. that's so
1: inspirational. I'm, I'm really just amazed. When I was, for each podcast, I always spent a lot of time looking for research organizations that I can promote on the podcast if, if listeners want to uh, do a little bit more of their own research or give back or just explore more. And Quite frankly, uh, I was really stuck. There wasn't much out there when I was searching for river dolphin conservation groups, or they were, are uh, more general. It was a larger group, and they they may you know they may do a few things down there, and so. Exactly. Like you might find them under, like under an umbrella Correct.
0: of a couple Correct. of other big organizations. it right. just really wasn't anything and they need the help.
1: Yeah. So when I stumbled upon your organization, it was, I was very excited to, um, to see what you guys were doing. And then I, yeah, I noticed too. And of course, instantly showed my husband, Hey honey, I got a new bucket list item <laughs> about, <laughs> about your expeditions, Uh, to the Amazon to work with and or uh, uh, sightsee these river dolphins. So I I was hoping you could maybe tell me a little bit about the expedition so the listeners could perhaps be like me and, and save their pennies to go on one of these.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we, we try to do at least two a year, okay. even though I'm going down to Brazil four or five times a year now. We try to do at least one or two uh, different expeditions, and I take about 22 people with me. Cool. Um, there is no prerequisites. You do not have to be a researcher. You do not have to be a scientist. You do not need to be a dolphin trainer. You do not need to be a zookeeper. You, I've had all walks of life. I've had, um, I've had every every person from hairdressers to to veterinarians to aquatic veterinarians. Um, but the common thread, of course, is. Uh, love of travel, Mm -hmm. uh, and the love of wildlife. So, um, so these people come on these trips with us and we go down to Manaus, Mm -hmm. which is the capital of Amazonas in Brazil. And we get on a boat and we live on that boat for, uh, it's usually about 10 days and we have private cabins wow. uh, every cabin has air conditioning its own private bathroom and shower now um, you're talking <laughs> we we know, we know how to travel for sure i mean if you if you're going to travel the amazon this is we do it in style
1: well um, it- I ha- and I have to share with you, uh, when I was in my early 20s, I did a little backpacking through South America with one of my best friends, uh, Nani, and we're very adventurous, and we found ourselves in Manaus, which is just, that's a whole other podcast itself, the city is, <laughs> Indeed. the city is so beautiful, and, but so interesting. Their history is very rich in their culture. But we we had met another traveler friend, uh, Matt on the move from Australia. I remember his uh, Yahoo address from like 15 years ago. Uh, I have no idea where he is. So, Matt, if you're listening, hello. And he was very excited about uh, the being in the Amazon jungle. And he found a riverboat tour that would take him from Manaus west to a city in Peru. And then he was going to pick up his travels and probably go on to Machu Picchu or whatnot. And my best friend and I really were interested in it. But the boat ride down the Amazon or whatever leg of the Amazon that is right there, river, was going to be two weeks. And and you had to eat the f- local food, which is wonderful. That part I was like, sign me up because <laughs> I love the food. But you had to sleep in a hammock and it wasn't private It was pretty much on the side of the boat in a hammock for two weeks. And our time in South America was limited to just a few months. So my girlfriend and I at the time said, well, mm, I think we're going to pass. But I have to tell you, Susan, now that I'm older and I don't have these opportunities as much because I'm busy with kids and, and life and work, I kick myself. I would give anything to go back for two weeks at peace in that beautiful nature riding, I'll I'll sleep on the floor. I don't care about a hammock Uh, because it was so mystical and magical. Uh, And I only, I only did the boat ride to see the meeting of the waters and the, and the, uh, the river dolphins. So I didn't get to spend much time on the open water. So now that I'm a little older and I was reading about your expedition and you're telling me that there's air conditioning in my own bed, my own cabin, There's air conditioning in the rooms. Oh my gosh! Sign me up. Seriously, that sounds amazing. And then you and you're on the boat the whole time, right?
0: We're on the boat the whole time, and we bring, um, depending on how many people we have with us, we bring three or four canoes along. So we go out in early mornings, we go out on late night excursions, and we we see the greatest wildlife. Of course, we see river dolphins everywhere we go. Um, there's actually two species down there, and we see those. But we also see monkeys. We see sloths. Ooh. We I think I think my record on one of my trips. Seventy three sloths in Holy one night. Um, we just know where to go. Like we're the people. We yeah. got it. Um, macaws, and I've seen. Oh my goodness, I've seen these beautiful storks, and so we really see everything. Like I said, you know, our, our primary focus is on the river dolphin, but you're in the Amazon, so we go out and we see we see everything because we really want people to experience all that the amazon has to offer and just fall in love with it the way that we have and and want to help and, and save and be a part of the conservation outside.
1: awesome yeah no that's i mean it sounds like an amazing expedition and you also do some work there with uh, local villages or communities as far as
0: we do so as a part of our expeditions um and also just a part of my own travels but when we take groups down there we stop at different villages. Um, For me, even though, uh, you know, I keep saying our primary focus is the River Dolphin, but for me, it's really such an all-encompassing project. It's not just about the River Dolphins. Um, Certainly, they are important, and and I just love them to pieces, but Without the people, this project is nothing. And the people have to want to love their environment and the Amazon rainforest and the animals that live in it and one another. more so than anybody else, because if they are not invested in it, um, then that's going to be our first hurdle. So there are several uh, small Riverside communities along the way that we we travel to and we visit, and we've known these people for years, and and I get to watch little kids grow up, and um and it's just amazing. So when we go down there and we visit them, we we ask people to uh, you know to bring stuff with them, donations and We'll bring crayons and paper, and um, we try cool. to bring some clothes and, and things like that. So, so they get really excited to see us, and um, and then we can spend either a few hours. Some villages, will wow. we'll spend the day we learn how they make food we learn how they earn their living a lot of these riverside communities Mm -hmm. are fishermen um so we might go fishing with them um some villages there's one village that we go and we play soccer for hours and there's a group of girls that kick our butts and the, the crew will come and play. The crew will be on our team, but these girls oh, are serious.
1: Um,
0: and you know, the scores are usually like <laughs> 33 to two, but <laughs> it's just so much fun because you're just, you're, you're with
1: these people and they're just so lovely well, and so generous. So it's, yeah, and that kind of lends like, into my next question is how do you feel the locals are responding to your efforts about educating and, and conserving the river dolphin. Is it something they believe in or is it something they maybe don't care about?
0: I think that they very much believe in it. Um, you, you, know, and they always, they always seem to know when I'm on the river. Um, sometimes, you know, we'll be out in the middle of nowhere and this little canoe will come up and then, Oh, Susani, Susani, Susani. They, they know that I'm there. Um, so it's very much uh, a symbiotic relationship, um, I believe. You know, they, they, they. Uh, we need them, uh, and they need us. Um, but um, they truly believe in it, and they, they want the help. They, they want the help, and they look for new, innovative ways um, on how they can improve things. Um, so we, we do the best that we can and
1: try to help them. and, and I think they are very much responsive um, to your efforts and responsive to that absolutely that's awesome and now on a little bit more serious note if uh, for some of your participants in the past or let's say I get to go someday in the future uh, what are some of the skills or findings or even I- ideology that a participant from one of your expeditions would walk away from or what were some of the, or some of the feedback that you've received that it has kept you going <laughs>
0: You know what, oh gosh, Angie, that's such a great question because I try at the, towards the end of my trips, as we are cruising on the Amazon, heading back to Manaus, I try to do testimonials with participants. and, it's, and, I, and I just leave it kind of a free form um, on what they want to talk about because it's not my experience. I, I can sit here, Angie, and I can talk to you until I'm blue in the face about the Amazon, but my experience from the of the Amazon is most likely going to be very different from your sure. experience in the Amazon. So I love listening to people walk away from these trips and what they, what they get from it. In fact, when I take these groups, um, I was laughing on the last trip because I actually find that I have more pictures of people now (laughs) than I do of the animals because I love watching when, when the sun is rising and we are out in the middle of the Amazon and, and all of a sudden, the monkeys are starting to wake up. And someone sees a howler monkey climbing over a branch for the first time, and just watching their face light up. Oh, I just up. got
1: goosebumps, Sam. That's like, what I just love. Just hear you describe this; I'm getting goosebumps, <laughs> and I'm not—I'm not even there. So,
0: I love watching people experience it. And whether it's a howler monkey or whether it's a butterfly, for me, it's the river dolphin. But when people get that look, Angie, I know they've got it. I know they've got it, and I know they want to do whatever they can. So um, so every message is different when it comes back because some people love the river dolphins. Everybody loves the river dolphins. Um, but not everybody talks about the wildlife when we walk away, too. Sometimes, you know, we've um, – when we've gone to these villages and these kids just light up, you know, one of the things I always try to find, um, toothbrush and floss donations.
1: That's a um, great idea. And
0: I see these kids just light up, these little kids light up at a toothbrush. And Angie, you know, you and I have, have kids and if I handed my son, you know, a toothbrush as a gift, <laughs> Look at me like I had three heads, and and these kids in Brazil, they just it's the greatest thing.
1: Funny enough, I uh, there was a a Spider Man toothbrush in my son's stocking, and he (laughs) uh, I think he flew past that on onward and upward to the next better thing. So, but no, you you bring up a very good point. A lot of my travels, um, especially in Africa, noticing that. You know, the children in the villages where I got was able to spend a lot of time with uh once again with my my best friend Nani. She gets lots of shouts out in this interview, but she did she did Peace Corps over in Zambia. And I spent a lot of time over there in her village and just watching the children. If they had a ball, they would be happy. And not even a, a one that worked right, like it probably had a hole in it or something. I mean, just these little one lips. Sometimes it'd be a plastic bag. They were like they figured out how to shape it into something they could play with. And it really does. Uh, mm-hmm. give you a lot of perspective as to the things we take for granted. And and as you had mentioned, of course the wildlife viewing must be incredible on that boat. But I know from my travels and to all the listeners out there um, experiencing cultures different different than what we would find here in the States or wherever you're coming from, um, to really be experience some of these remote Villages and cultures that are probably on the in the process of dying out, right, is just I feel very unique to the human experience. And i i always I always joke that if I was president, which I never would be, but I would, yeah, I would <laughs> encourage a you know um, a, a law or a movement to you know to get every high schooler to go to a different. A more foreign country to be able to help out with communities in need. Uh, of course, there's plenty of communities in need in the United States or in every country. And I recommend that people do that because uh, you get a lot of joy from it. But there is something special about uh, traveling and maybe because your eyes are open and your cell phone's off and you're, you don't have bills to pay and you don't have to worry about Whatever problems you normally have in life, so I feel like you're open to receiving more of uh, this beauty the world has to offer in culture. So, uh, I totally agree. I love watching people be transformed um, yeah. when yeah. when we are down there. And
0: just just a very eye opening experience on many levels.
1: And what was the youngest age participant you've ever had? Like, can I bring my 18 month old or? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Sure, awesome. absolutely. Um, I've the youngest. The youngest I've had on my boat is um, is four, I believe. Uh, we had a four year old that was able to join us, um, but I've also um, I've also seen groups that that I've helped welcome at least to Manaus and get them situated on the boat and didn't travel with them. But I find that the Europeans travel with their families. Um, and there was one group, I believe they were from Germany and it was, it was like half adults and half kids ranging probably from like six son. to fourteen. Um, a couple of, yeah, a couple of years ago, I brought my son he was, uh, he was 13 at the time in his best friend, um, I have a friend coming this year on my expedition in November and she is bringing her 11 year old daughter. So it's, you know, you imagine the adults that, that have this, this life changing experience, but what a great opportunity for these young kids, especially from the States to, to see these other worlds and these other cultures and, and how they live. And, you know, not every kid has an iPod and, these these kids Not that are soccer good. champions the world over don't have soccer cleats. They yeah. they play and the, they play in the dirt and bare feet,
1: and a lot of them don't have end. Yeah. They don't have indoor plumbing. So there's that too. I mean, exactly. So it's a, it's a, it's a great
0: experience for everybody. And, you know, not only do we do, you know, not only do we go out in the canoes to observe wildlife, but we go fishing. Um, We go fishing for piranhas and we eat the piranhas sometimes, depending on how much we catch. Uh, We go snorkeling. There's beautiful fish there to see. So it's, it's really neat. And there's just something for everybody.
1: And now, besides the expedition part of your uh, conservation organization, I know you said you give a lot of guest lectures and do a lot of education. Can you summarize what other um, education or research things that your group dabbles with?
0: Yeah, for sure. So. We definitely have um, visited um, other universities and other schools um, to talk about the Amazon River Dolphin, um, the plight of the Amazon River Dolphin and and the Amazon in general, the Amazon ecosystem and what is happening down there. Um, But aside from the expeditions, we go down um, two or three other times a year and we travel around um, the area outside of Manaus and we go anywhere. um, We usually travel north on the Rio Negro Mm -hmm. Uh, last year we were, uh, we were on a work visa um, to observe river dolphins. And we had, we brought down with the, with, Thankfully, we got some um, grant money, thankfully, thankfully, and we were able to purchase some uh, hydrophones. And for the folks that don't know what that is, that's that, actually that's exactly have... what it sounds like. <laughs> okay, It's yeah. a microphone that you can just drop right in the water. So we got some really cool recordings of not only the Amazon River Dolphin, the Pink River Dolphins, but we also got recordings of Tukushi, um, which is the other species of river dolphin down there. Um, and we also visit a lot of the areas that are um, that are involved in the eco tours okay. um, and just finding out what we can do to help them um, and some of the practices that they have Um, and how we can help them improve that. Because what's really interesting is through through my experiences working with marine mammals in zoos and aquariums in this country, there are a lot of best practices that we use in this country that can be applied down there. Mm -hmm. So if we can take that knowledge down there and give them better tools um, to either be able to handle the fish or to work with the dolphins a little bit differently than then, you know, that, that's my 30 years of experience yeah. that, that I bring with me um, and can bring that to them. And they are they are completely receptive to that. And, and they know that the dolphins that I work with are very do- different from the dolphins down there. So they are just as intrigued by our dolphins up in this area. So it's really, it just really has this really interesting back and forth and this great conversation that's is started.
1: Wow. And that, I mean, it's just... So exciting to me that you're down there doing, uh, I don't know if cutting edge is the correct word, but really important cutting edge behavior, uh, research and uh, boots on the ground, talking to the communities, talking to the people and seeing what they need. Because we tons of research has shown that in order for conservation of certain species to be effective, that the local communities surrounding these animals have to be on board and need to be a part of it Need to be actively, um, understanding it, getting something out of it. And it sounds like, uh, your group is really doing some cool hands on fun things. And I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. So if you, uh, Uh, if you don't like it, we can always cut it out, but (laughs) because, uh, you really got me thinking about this. What what was it? An aquaphone? What what was it called? Uh, Hydrophone. 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 Because of this hydrophone, um, I know that obviously dolphins are known for their clicks and their whistles. And there's not a lot of research, once again, into the Amazon River dolphin or river dolphins in particular. And that's why we need more people doing what you're doing and giving us some really um, preliminary understanding of these animals and their habitat and their natural behaviors. So I was wondering if you could give our listeners an example of what a click or whistle may sound like.
0: <laughs> I thought you were completely going in a different
1: direction. And I was ready we, you know, I, 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 was I love before. I love talking <laughs> conservation and I love talking serious, but we ha- we have to have a little fun, too. <laughs>
0: I'm not even sure I can attempt that. (laughs) Well, I
1: always, when I'm reading books to my son uh, and the dolphin comes up, of course, this is an oceanic dolphin, but I always go like, now I have no idea that's, if that's correct. I just made that up in my, you know, to help him out. Um, But I'm assuming the river, the Amazon river dolphin is a little bit different. So.
0: Yes. And, and even for that, Angie, that's really funny. That's kind of the standard. That's kind of the old school, like, flipper. Sure. Totally.
1: It's totally from flipper. People yes. more <laughs>
0: age remember. And, you know, like, every every dolphin you see on TV does that, you know, makes that noise and whatnot.
1: Yes. Um, it's very, very stereotypical. The, the- I I. I don't- I know this, but that's why I was yeah. like, if I can talk to a professional expert that they could show me what I, what noise should I be making? It'd be more appropriate.
0: The, the, the more appropriate noise is not nearly as fun or as animated <laughs> as the, as the old flipper. It is literally like a, okay. It's
1: literally okay. like, a I, no, I can do that. I'm, I'm that was, was beautiful. There? I wish I had an applause button. Let's hear it. <laughs> let's, let's hear it again. One more time. Oh, Suzanne, you are such a good sport. Thank you so much. And and, and honestly, now when I read to my sons, I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'll be scientifically accurate, which I, I like to try to do that when possible, obviously. So, and then I was just wondering if you could give us just one or two uh, unique fun facts about river dolphins. We have a whole podcast about them, but since you're the expert, I didn't know if there, besides them, being somewhat pink in color, I didn't know if you had one or two other fun facts that the listeners could maybe use in on Jeopardy someday.
0: sure. Um, well, you mentioned you mentioned that they are pink. They are actually um, depending on where they are located on the Amazon. Um, in some areas, they get far more pink and really bright color pink, but they all start off gray. Oh. which not sure if you knew that no. but they all start off gray uh, which is very interesting but one of the things that I think is super super cool about the river dolphin like the coolest thing about them is that they have an unfused neck vertebrae mm. so you have to imagine that you know the Amazon River can drop 30 feet mm-hmm. from one season to the next so there are times of the year where literally, The Amazon river dolphin is swimming in the forests. The the forests become flooded. So they are able to turn their necks completely from side to side so that they can navigate um, the the trees. Essentially, they can navigate a forest. Mm -hmm. So I think I think that's something that's pretty, pretty cool about them. They are extremely flexible animals.
1: Wow. Wonderful. And could you give me an update on their current status?
0: Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you asked that because it's a a great question to ask, and it leads to a much bigger problem. So right now, the river dolphins are listed as data deficient. Um, They are not listed as endangered. They're not critically endangered. They're not threatened. So data deficient just means that there is not enough information about the population. It's been a very long time. since anyone has known that status, if at all. So the reason why that becomes extremely complicated is because the river dolphins, they not only have, they not only face the challenges that we talk about and hear about all the time, such as habitat degradation, habitat destruction, pollution, Amazon river dolphins have a whole other challenge and that is the fact that they are being hunted and slaughtered, which is just, it's awful. It's mm, devastating. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a, there's a fish, uh, it's a catfish and it's called Pira And they believe that the river dolphin meat is a far better bait source to catch this specific fish than anything else. Now, they typically don't eat the piracatinga in Brazil. It is usually exported, that fish is usually exported to neighboring countries. And they found, researchers found in just one very small area a couple of years ago that almost 2,000 river dolphins were killed to be used as <sighs> bait. That is uh, according to the Brazilian researchers who did this study that is three times more than what is sustainable. So we are dealing with a lot of unknowns you know we we don't even know what the population is and to consider that in just one small area 2,000 of them have been killed we have no Mm. idea. What uh, what is happening? So that is part of um, part of one of our efforts too. We um, we are working on getting some population studies done in the area of the Rio Negro, um, in starting to identify individuals, so we can get a little bit of a better handle on exactly what is going on you know, down there uh, in terms of And I don't know number. if it would
1: work, but it'd almost be interesting if you could do a small study and see if these catfish actually do prefer dolphin over something else. Because my hypothesis would be that, no, it's just a superstitious belief um, that came started somewhere and just spread out of control uh, because it doesn't really even make sense that catfish would like dolphin meat. Like they would, that's not normally in their diet. Yeah,
0: If you know anything about catfish, at all, you know that they right, are scavengers. Right. Um, so to me, it is a very interesting concept. Um, and it, I, I, I neither believe it or disbelieve it, but I do know that catfish sure. are scavengers. And, um, and so I'm not sure, and I've talked to many fish folks down there, um, not only the fishermen, um, but some of the people that work in fisheries, you know, is there, is there um, some aquaculture that can be done for that particular species to raise that species of catfish um, for food and whatnot? There, there's a lot of different possibilities, um, but, but right now the Amazon River dolphin is losing the battle. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, so we yeah, need well, to help. Um, the a lot of the things that the river dolphin in the Amazon faces, without with the with the killing aside, are all the same things that the Baiji faced many years ago. And as you may, may possibly know, but so your listeners know, the Baiji went, you know, functionally extinct in 2008. And that's a freshwater species that we just don't see anymore. And we certainly don't want that
1: to yeah, happen. And to it it sounds like there might be a little room too, for potentially maybe education uh, to step in. We all know that a lot of behavioral change often doesn't happen unless there's education, And so maybe, you know, uh, there might be room to try to help these fishermen see, like you said, either maybe use aquaculture for the fish or perhaps, you know, somehow maybe showing them that the dolphin isn't the best or, and, and I don't, I don't really know to, uh, might be talking a little out of turn, but it always, I always, it always interests me when um, people will use a resource that is limited uh, and knowing that it will, Come to an end, right? So if you use all of the, if you use all of the river dolphin yeah. meat, and you kill them out, wipe them out, like you said, happened with the other uh, freshwater species, that then there won't be any livelihood anyway left. Yes, yeah, so it's a very short-sighted. Mm-hmm. So, but but it's hard though because once again, as you and I talked about, all these communities are are trying to survive and not making much money, and this is their livelihood, and so it's uh, you know a group of a. You know, Americans can't come in and say you can't do this as your livelihood. It takes a very much, exactly. it takes a very thoughtful, international, collaborative approach. But I'm just, I'm really happy that people like you are down there trying to fight the good fight, and that leads me a little bit to my next question. Um, as far as with protecting the river dolphins, I definitely think that one of the ways to do that is through education and wildlife viewing, and like you said, people connecting to the to the animals because then they're more likely to want to help save it and and also help out the local communities and villages along the way. And that's what ecotourism provides uh, when it's done right. So my question for you is, in your opinion, how has ecotourism helped the river dolphins? And then conversely, how has ecotourism potentially harmed the Amazon River Dolphin?
0: That's a good question. So there's there's certainly no data. It would be more anecdotal um, in my answer to that. Um, but unfortunately, like many many other things, many other arenas, um, there are there are good places and there are bad places. Um, there is only one company. I only have one partner in Brazil um, that I work with. Um, in order to have um, a very responsible eco tour. That is not only important to me and to my organization, but it's also very important to the company that I work with down there. Um, And it's just a great group of people from the owners um, and all of the crew members. They are all very much, uh, they are all so proud of the Amazon ecosystem in their home. Um, and then sadly there are there are other groups, whether they're boat companies um, or you know, or or just tours or hikes or whatever, whatever the business it may be, that do not do it responsibly. Um, and much like other things, that then affects even right. the good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so we are certainly doing our part to make sure that we um, are staying, staying responsible and doing the things that we need to do. But that is why I'm also uh, interacting with the folks down there who I absolutely, who I absolutely love. And I'm going there next week and mm-hmm. I can't wait
1: to see everybody Oh And uh, just, uh, can I come? I'll put you in my bag. <laughs> yeah, I, I've. I'm in the midst of writing uh, my dissertation and I'm like a hundred pages deep and honestly sitting on a boat in the Amazon river sounds like an amazing,
0: you can write on, <laughs> on a canoe.
1: Oh man. Yeah, no, that's awesome. But no, and, and, but in and a more serious note, I I definitely think that ecotourism has so much to help. And I think your organization is an example, uh, a shining star example of that, where you're giving back to the you're protecting the animals. You're learning about the animals, and you are giving back to the to the animals as far as conservation and research, and then also the local people uh, be, from bringing supplies to help, bringing education, to bringing support, and that is what that is a model, of, in my opinion, uh, my humble opinion, that is the model that all ecotourism should take on. And like you said, far unfortunately, um, there's many instances where that doesn't happen, and I think that. For all the listeners out there uh, that are interested in doing ecotourism, I, a little bit of research is probably going to help go a long way as far as what company you're using, what is their background, are they licensed, uh, you know, do they let you pet the animals? That's probably not a good thing. Um, and so, is there expo- exploitation going on? Uh, and so. I th- I love the idea of going with your your conservation foundation because you are educated experts experts in the field and have been doing it for a long time and are in it for you're not in it for a profit right you're in it to help the animals and so uh, I'm I'm sure there's probably other there's other models like that. I'm sure for, uh, for different wildlife species, I'm sure in Africa or whatnot. And so, uh, listeners or people interested should seek out, um, well, well-documented and really sound, uh, organizations to help the animals out. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Very good points. Yes. And now, Suzanne, I always like to ask, uh, Oh, myself when I'm doing uh, a podcast about a certain species, but definitely since you're an expertise in the field doing it, uh, how could I convince somebody to want to save the river dolphin that could care less about a river dolphin? And why should we save them?
0: It's a really good question. So, you know, and people, people ask that about every species. Uh, it, it feels like, it feels sure. like sometimes it's an uphill battle. And, mm-hmm. um, But one of the things that I always like to point out about the Amazon River Dolphin is that, you know, they are what we call a sentinel species or an indicator species. Mm -hmm. Uh, And basically what that means is, you know, their health is a very good indicator of what's happening with the river and the ecosystem. Exactly. And if the animals are not healthy and don't look good, then that's probably go washing up on the banks and affecting um, the riverside communities. And in the, but, fi- in the fish that the locals are consuming. Absolutely, And it's just this great big cycle. And if people think more on a global level, because, because then sometimes that question about, you know, why should I care about the Amazon River Dolphin? Sometimes that translates to the people as well, because they're so far away. So it becomes kind of an out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I like to think about in, because this is really on a global scale, um, one thing that people don't realize about the Amazon rainforest is, is how much the Amazon rainforest, whether it's on the other side of the world to you or, you know, 5,000 miles away, it has a great effect on this planet. And the Amazon rainforest is has been described as the lungs of our planet. And the entire earth actually gets about 20% of the oxygen from the Amazon rainforest. So if we're not taking care of the Amazon rainforest, wherever you are in the world, you're not taking care of yourself. Um, and with the deforestation that is happening at the rate that it's happening uh, right now, Angie, we're losing 137 rainforest species every single day. I mean, like, Oh, those ouch. Yeah. Are People dead in their tracks. Um, you know, the rainforest used to cover about 14 percent of the Earth's surface. And, and think about just that one area that's 14 um, percent. And it now, because of deforestation, it really only covers about six percent wow. Um and you have indigenous people living in these areas. Um, and just the, the plant and the animal species uh, in these areas are so
1: astounding. So a, we really need to start taking care of it. Sure. And so you said 137 species a day? A day.
0: That And so think about what that means. So, that I mean, you've got to really th- wrap your head around those numbers and think about how many plant and animal species there
1: are in the
0: Amazon rainforest that we are losing 137 rainforest species a day.
1: And so that does lead into my next question is how can the average person help the Amazon river dolphin? And then, or like you even said too, maybe they don't, maybe they don't think the Amazon river dolphin is as cute as you and I do. How can they then, if not river dolphin itself how the amazon in general how how could a person help so there
0: are a lot of things um that that someone can do so um in terms of the amazon the amazon river dolphin um you know i would encourage everybody and i'm sure you would too since you've been down there is if you have the time and the means Come on down with me, uh, you know. Come on down and come see the Amazon. Come see the rainforest. Come see the squirrel monkeys. Sure. Come, oh, come see all of it. Come play soccer in the villages. Yes. Go, go do all of it. Well, in um, really learn yeah. about it, and because that helps the local economy mm-hmm. down there. It's a very, it's a very poor area, um, and they need the help. So, so you are helping the conservation mm-hmm. efforts. Um, Through that way, Um, you know, we buy, as we've talked about, we buy a lot of supplies. We bring down a lot of supplies for them. We, We buy a lot of equipment, not only for our organization, but our partners down there and other researchers. So through donating on our website, sometimes that money or that money can go to supplies to bring down there. Not always necessarily. I do that more through the groups that come with us. But those donations can go to the purchase of the hydrophones. It can go to GPS units, which we need because when I'm out in the middle of the Amazon and I've just spotted 15 river dolphins, I need to know where I'm at so I can record that and make notes and collect data about where we saw that group so we can you know so we can monitor where are they traveling to are they staying together is there are they a part of a larger pot so so those donations um help for equipment like that it also goes for our crews um Mm -hmm. you know i i i I don't have a canoe that i bring down there with me i i have a canoe when i get there but I also need uh, I also need someone to take me out there, and I have assembled an amazing an amazing team um, that is available always when I go down there. So that helps them, and instead of that that man uh, going out and killing a river dolphin so that he can catch a pure kachinga to get paid to export it to another country, he's getting paid. To take me in a canoe up the Rio Negro to go count river dolphins or to take pictures to help identify them. So, so those donations go a really long way. Um, And then every day, you know, it's all the stuff that we talk about. Don't throw your, don't throw your water bottle away, recycle it. And you shouldn't even be buying water bottles anyway. Everybody should be using Mm -hmm. their Tervis and their thermos and and all of that stuff. So all of those things, you know, the reduce, reuse, recycle it. We say it over and over again, but we say it over and over again because it's important.
1: Sure. It's very much important. And and I, I'm happy to see there's movements and a lot of talk about getting rid of plastic bags or making a tax for them. And, or there's a new movement about uh, maybe potentially getting rid of straws or people. We, in my family, we have uh portable ones. That I just keep in my purse um, or along with like, yeah. Turbis. So there's definitely, I think people, there's a whole community of people becoming more aware. And I think you just make little, little steps. And like you said, uh, the more we can reduce our waste, yeah, it definitely helps. And so if, yeah, if you can't afford a $20 or whatever dollar donation to uh, a conservation to help save the river dolphins, that's okay too. There's still plenty as an individual you can do. And maybe for some reason, maybe you have a a newborn baby and you have to use those diapers. And so you like, for me, I know, you know, I, I was able to use cloth diapers sometimes. uh, But when I was hot and heavy in the, in the, in the, in the late night hours up all the time, I would use those darn disposable diapers and I felt guilty about it. But in the end I said, okay, well, I might be using diapers right now. Then I'm will not, no matter what, buy a bottle drink at a store no matter what yeah. and so
0: and bring your, bring your reusable bags to the grocery store exactly and it's yeah. Amazing so try,
1: those. yeah you just make an effort you do what you can do and you want to of course not stress yourself out about it but you do what you can do and okay. then, and then uh, you know and then also potentially help support organizations like like yours and uh i uh I remember being down in the Amazon and thinking to myself and uh, wanting to experience going to Manaus for sure. Even though I, at the time, I only spoke partial Spanish and Portuguese, the language of uh, or the the main language. Of course, there's a lot of different subsets, but the main language is Portuguese in Brazil. And I I didn't speak a lick of it, but I said to my friend, and she agreed. Said we've got to go see this Amazon because it might not be here in 20 years. It might not be here in however many years. And I don't like that doom and gloom statement, but in the same instance, uh, it is, if you have the ability to go see it, I I know for me that helped make me more passionate about conservation and about saving wildlife. And so I had to go see the beauty and be in awe and be inspired to definitely help me on this journey. So I think that if somebody joined, uh, joined an expedition with you, their life would potentially be changed, I think.
0: Absolutely. I I agree a hundred percent. It it certainly changed mine. So <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: and so with that being said, uh of course, you know, as I'm scrolling through my Facebook feed or whatnot, mm-hmm. uh a lot of times you see some disturbing articles about either law, new laws being in place that don't help wildlife or old laws that were in place helping wildlife are now being abandoned and, and tons of other things as far as poaching and some of the, um, the, uh, the medicinal use of animal products, which is just devastating. So sometimes for me, I can, I just go into a dark place and I, and I don't know what to do. And I'm just wondering when there are these tough times, like potentially right now um, or your, your organization or you as a person have a major setback, what helps keep you motivated? What gets you up in the morning to keep fighting this good fight?
0: Well, you know, I have, um there, there are some, there are some known river dolphins down there and I have a picture of Heginaldo in my house and I have, a picture of Kurumin mm-hmm. in my house, in another room, um, and those faces look at me every single day. And in very close to my heart, um, I don't know if the listeners know that you and I can see each other, mm-hmm. but on around my neck here, I have um, a, a silver fluke tail mm-hmm. that is the exact replica of Mateko who is another river dolphin that is very well known and who I've interacted with many, many times. Um, And they all just, they all touch my heart. So um, just from day to day, I just, I see their faces every day and I know that I've got to get back down there and I know that I've got to help. Um, But there are people that are also, fighting the fight, whether it's specifically about Amazon river dolphins or whether it's rhinos in Africa or, or whatever there, there are a lot of good people fighting the fight, uh, and someone needs to stick up for the Amazon river dolphin. So that's, uh, I feel that that's my calling. So I, I keep going at it every, every day, whether it's raising funds one day, uh, to get new hydrophones and new binoculars and, a new GPS, uh, or whatever the case may be, I, I know that we've got to keep going because even though you know the the numbers aren't on paper, they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. They, that's just, that's just the bottom line. You don't you don't need to be a dolphin expert. You don't need to be a genius. You don't you don't need to be a researcher to know that um, they have they have far too many challenges down there, um, and they need they need help. So I, I'm on the
1: quest. <laughs> Wow, well, thank you so much, Suzanne. It's been so wonderful talking to you today, and i'm I just must admit that I am so inspired and moved talking with you because I believe you exemplify. What everyone could do. You followed your passion and you have started this amazing foundation. It's doing great work down in, uh, down in the Amazon and here locally too. I know with some of your talks and whatnot that you give. And I just, it just is very, very hopeful. And if there's even one of our listeners out there that's been thinking about maybe doing this or uh, taking the plunge, you exemplify how you can make it happen and how one person just can make an impact. And you're one person that then has spread it, uh, not only here in the United States, but then also big time down in, in the Amazon and, and spread your knowledge and spread your passion. And now a lot of people because of you have been able to make an impact. I know those Amazon river dolphins who I believe are super cute. (laughs) Um, I, I, I know, you know, they thank you and the local people. Thank you. I thank you. And I'm really excited about this relationship that you and I have formed. Uh, And I look forward to learning more from you and perhaps hopefully someday soon going on an expedition. And I just, uh, I really want to thank you for your time.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been it's been wonderful being here. And like I said, I can I can talk about the Amazon and certainly the River Dolphins all day
1: long. All day long. So here here you go, (laughs) listeners. Uh Suzanne, what is how if somebody does want to talk with you about uh, Amazon River Dolphin Conservation, or your expedition, or donations, or really anything regarding uh, Amazon River Dolphins. What is the best way that they can contact you?
0: So the best there's so there's two different ways to get a hold of me, and um, they're two super cool ways because you get to see a whole lot of pictures and videos in the process of it. So our Facebook page is very active. So if you go search. Amazon River Dolphin Conservation Foundation on Facebook you will find us and you will find um, you will find a lot of photos of river dolphins and you will find photos of uh, the specific dolphins that I mentioned today and a whole lot of others and some really cool video footage of them swimming underwater Um, and you'll hear some of the testimonials that I talked about earlier a lot of those are posted up there um, some of them are trainers um, some of them like I said are, are folks that you know just just wanted to go see the Amazon and wanted to travel there so you will hear their stories and then you'll get updates on uh, on River Dolphins and what's happening down there so there's a lot of information there and of course our website um, our website is uh, www. A-R-D-C foundation.com and of course you will see a lot of uh, pictures there but there is some information on our expedition and when the expedition dates are and in both places you can either contact me, you can contact me via email and I'm quite certain that even my cell phone is listed. That's how, that's how <laughs> much I'm willing yeah. to talk about the Amazon I Posted my cell phone you go girl up. yeah right so you can get a hold of me a whole lot of different ways oh
1: wow well gosh Suzanne thank you so much uh, once again you've been listening to All Creatures podcast today we had an amazing opportunity to talk with Suzanne Smith she is the director of Amazon River Dolphin Conservation Foundation and we thank you for your time and hopefully some of these listeners will be in touch with you and I will definitely be in touch.